Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Adam Warlock's cocoon to Boba Fett's back to tank and everywhere in between two what I assume are very cozy locations. My name is Mike Gibson. With me as always is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, I uh, misread your initial titling of this, and I thought it was from Boba Fett's cocoon to Adam Warlock's back to tank and got really confused. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's how this week started off. Um, that's the inevitable Marvel Star Wars crossover. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. how that all start. You yep. like the you, cocoon will start opening and you'll think it's going to be Adam Warlock, but oh no, it's, <laughs> it's Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Uh, where? Back, uh, back to calmly run a town and just not be a, not be a ruthless bounty hunter. Yeah. Just be a nice guy who wants everyone to get along yeah. and uh, employ teenagers on bright colored scooters. Too soon, man. Too soon. I mean that. Hey, that's who Boba Fett is. We know now. We know yeah. now. That's who he really is. Hey, he doesn't hey, want to murder a anybody. A complete non sequitur for the intro. Um, we were in Walgreens the other day, and my son insisted on a Lego poly bag uh, that had the Muppets characters on it because he's obsessed with uh, the uh, Muppet Babies. Good for him. What's that? I can't. Uh, hard. Is that to... a stat- Statler yeah. and or Waldorf? Yep. It is. It's, it's a little blown great. out by the light, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no there's no way to tell, but uh That's hilarious. The, yeah. I was like, Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. I would love to see one of these in Lego form. And they're pretty cool. So pretty great. Yeah. So fun times had, were had by all there. Nice. Well, if you uh loyal watchers or loyal listeners have been around for the last couple of weeks. Which, if you're truly loyal, we know you have been. That's how that works. You'll know that we've started uh, the majority of recent episodes with a flash watch and then talking about James Gunn and uh, his plans for the DC Universe. Guess what? We're not doing that this week. And when I say we're not doing that, I mean we're not starting the podcast with it. We will still talk about those things (laughs) a little bit later. But now we had enough marvel related stuff that we could open the podcast talking about a different topic or a different company brand what have you and we're gonna start with some marvel stuff biggest marvel drop this week is a movie that's coming out in a month shockingly that's hard to believe tickets went on sale it's hard they want to sell today really it is very hard to believe that ant-man and the wasp quantum mania is coming out in a month ish i don't remember the exact release date february something Correct. Yeah. That's that's as yeah. much as I know. I'm right there with you <laughs> as well. Um, and we got the second trailer, second trailer, right for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania this past week. Steve, you just watched it moments ago. I rewatched it before we uh, recorded, but you just watched it again um, directly before we started yes. recording this episode. So, and you're the resident uh, Marvel fan. Not that I'm not a Marvel fan, but you know. Right. You know, we, we've got to have our sides. You are yeah, wearing an X-Men <laughs> sweater right now. so I am, yeah, as a peace offering to you, my friend. <laughs> and <laughs> like I'm wearing a DL-44 shirt because, well, why not? Because you know I love Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, But you, uh, you also do, too. Um, anyway, 
Thoughts on the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer, Steve? Uh, visually stunning. Looks like a compelling plot. I don't know if they're trying to set Scott Lang up as being in a giant moral quandary. Uh, and it seems very weird to do with your happy-go-lucky guy. But that seems to be where they're going with it. And I'd assume... I mean, as anyone who knows Kang the Conqueror in most of his forms, there's a reason he's Kang the Conqueror and not Kang the nice guy. Yes. I also thought it was interesting that after two happy-go-lucky, as you put it, Ant-Man movies, Ant-Man 3 seems to be dire <laughs> one of the darkest movies like they would have made in the mcu if if yeah. what this trailer is conveying is accurate like you go from a tier like light doing your thing ant-man movies comedy to, yeah exactly like deep yes this is, yeah so it's, it seemed a little off to me and honestly the first trailer i liked a lot the first trailer was like ambiguous enough it gave us some cool visuals it, it was yeah. like it didn't really, it gave us a look, it gave us a mood, it didn't give us a story. This one gives us a little more story. This is the story trailer. Mm-hmm. I guess I prefer the first trailer, and this one, to me, was just like, okay, yeah, big budget effects, superheroes, yep. Marvel, I get it. Like, it, this one didn't stand out to me, even like the first one did. The first one was like, I guess it was maybe mysterious enough that I was like, ooh, it looks good. Yeah. And I this is just that. like, okay. This feels like another Marvel movie to me. And I I know I must be in the minority of people that thought that because I've listened, I've seen YouTube videos of people being like, holy shit, I can't wait for this. Is, he, is Scott Lang going to die? This looks amazing. Right. Like, whoa, Kang looks great. Well, and Kang we'll, does look great. And it is possible that Scott Lang could die. Right. I was going to say, but, we uh, could put a pin on that and talk about that a little more in a bit. But yeah. The, um, the whole... My, my overall, I'm, I'm just kind of... I was meh on this trailer because it was just... It seemed just like... It did make it Let's more... give them all the effects we can give them right. and that'll be what we base our movie on, which seems like a lot of what they've been doing lately, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they're they're kind of... They're banking on the spectacle more yeah, so than more the Yeah, more than movie. the human story. Yeah. Which with this though, the way if you if you look past the spectacle in the trailer, it seems like there's the compelling human story of Scott being put in this situation to rescue Cassie. And what I'm assuming is, you know, what what we saw was pieced together in standard trailer fashion where it makes it seem much different than it actually is. But okay, I would yes. assume that he's like Cassie got sucked in before him. We know how okay. time is all wonky in the quantum realm. Like, she, I, I'm, I'm putting money on her getting there earlier, getting captured for some reason or another, and this being him having to, him and the, the crew having to break her out. Okay, I will. If that's what that is, I will like that more than what I interpreted it right. as. I, and I, I know where you're interpreting it, and I, I agree. Because, okay, we'll, we'll see if you're right. What I interpreted it as is that he, Kang tells him, tell, t- Kang tells Ant-Man that I can give you the time back that you lost with your daughter during mm-hmm. those five years, five-ish years when everyone was gone. Yeah. And he wasn't even gone. He was in the quantum, he was stuck in the quantum realm. He right. wasn't blipped. And she wasn't blipped because she grew up. So... 
he wasn't even gone the full five years. He was just gone some of that time, I guess, because he was back enough to like come up with the plan with the Avengers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like if he's saying like, yeah, let's rewind time so I can spend five years with my daughter growing up and not miss that. But with, he's doing it without like asking her if she wants to go back to be a little girl and change the course of her life. Like that seems like he shouldn't, he should be smarter. Like I know he's, he's, He's the jokey right. guy. He's the comedic relief, but still he should be smarter than that to mess with time travel after Endgame and mm-hmm. everything that happened in Endgame. So he should be like, that's tempting, but I've been this and I'm not going to jeopardize my daughter's past or future or mine because of this. So like, so, so that's if what, that's I read what he's as? doing. I think that I think it's hit. I think that's a dumb decision from him. And that makes me not. Yeah, want to root for him in this movie because like, did you learn anything, you idiot? I don't so like that, that. That's what I. That's what I uh, got the discussion to be over, and what I'm, what I'm inferring or what I'm talking about is after that discussion, like that. What we heard is probably a discussion between Scott and Kang, but yeah. that you know Scott rejects that, and like that that was his. Maybe that's his offer to release Cassie or whatever to give him back the time rather than like release her outright or something. There's yeah, yeah. there's gotta be some weird MacGuffin about it. It's yeah. not just like right. Scott comes, Kang offers him this thing. Voila. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope that there's something, I hope that there's something else. Yeah. I hope there's something else. And I do but love at the how... same time. I, there has been Marvel movies in the phase four where I've hoped mm. there's something else and there hasn't been. No... Yeah. <laughs> so what you see is we'll what see. you get. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. the the <laughs> I have to laugh that every one of these trailers, uh, Janet Van Dyne, Michelle Pfeiffer's whole thing is just standing there looking shocked. Yes. That is that is her role in these trailers. <laughs> like, apparently, yo, you have Michelle Pfeiffer in <laughs> yeah. your movie, and your give whole her thing something is... to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> give her some dramatic shit to do. Right. She's good at it. I don't know if you've ever seen her in any other movie. She's right. good at acting. You can give her something other than looking shocked at a green screen mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. Um, I mean, but at the same time, her and both her and Michael Douglas, they're just showing up and cash and checks. Oh, I feel like at this point, like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll do this. Yeah. How much you're paying me? <laughs> yes, right. I'm there. You're throwing how many zeros at me for what do this? I have to say? I don't know anything about this larger universe and I don't care. Right. <laughs> what do you get? What are you paying me to stand here and look shocked? I'll do it. Um, uh, Jonathan Majors looks great as Kang. Yes, I that cannot be uh, debated in any way. He looks great. Uh, he's a great actor. Um, I am mostly familiar with him with his work in Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. And I know we've said this before, but if you are out there and you've never seen Lovecraft Country and you like a spooky, scary, uh, almost anthology series, but still has a plot to it, I don't know. It's so cool and creepy and horrifying. Just watch Lovecraft Country. It's great. It's so good. It got canceled. There's not going to be a second season, but it doesn't matter. Season one is so good. You should watch it. It's yeah, great. Uh, was was that that was an HBO joint, right? It was an HBO show. It's so still how, shockingly how did they still on that? HBO Max. They haven't taken it off yet. It's still like, there. How did they watch. pulled a Netflix on that even before the takeover, wasn't it? Like the plug got pulled on that yeah. before. Yeah, it did not get it did not get renewed before Discovery bought it, bought Warner Brothers. Yeah, so huh, yeah, that's still that boggles my mind because that it's so good. It's like it's similar to like Watchmen, where like Watchmen was like, yeah, it's superheroes, but it's also about racism. 
the right. same kind of thing. Yeah, this is a horror show, but it's also about racism in a yeah. way that makes so much wonderful sense. Um, it's great. So watch Lovecraft Country. But anyway, back to Ant-Man. Um, let's pull that pin right out. I did hear a couple other, uh, you know, um, pundits, I guess you could say, this week talking about, is Scott Lang going to die in right. this movie? Um, because the theory, one, there's a shot in this trailer where he splits into two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a shot where a, a bunch of him are running <laughs> towards something or away from something. One of them turns giant and unravels or whatever, but like, there's a lot of Ant-Men in that, uh, sequence. Yeah. So is Scott Lang going to die? Uh, but I feel like if he does, if he quote unquote dies in whatever the next Avengers movie, there's going to be a variant of him that shows up or a duplicate of him that shows up. So we're going to get him back. It's going to be one of those comic booky Marvel movie things. where like, you think he's dead, but he's not really dead. Don't worry. No one really dies except right. Tony Stark. Apparently. Right. Um, except Tony Stark. What do you want to keep paying Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what do you think about that idea that he might die in this movie? I, I would be more likely to see one of the other ancillary crew members die. Yeah, um, like uh, Hank. Pim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Pim yeah. will. Well, either Pim or Janet will go down. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Scott die and then come back, like you said, as a as a variant yeah. down the line. At which yeah. which would, you know, go back on the Gamora thing of any interactions with Cassie, like rebuilding all that and the whole, yeah. which I guess we'll, so that'll be our first real introduction to that end of things is when guardians three drops Ye- of how they're dealing with, you know, the variants and cause I'm sure you can't just leave the Gamora oh, sure. plot hole out there. So yeah. they'll have to do something with that. I mean, she's in the trailer. We've seen her in right. the trailer. So we know that there she does exist. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I can definitely see it being a thing where if Scott dies in this movie, a variant of him comes back in whatever to be like, hey, I know all about this guy because he killed my other, ver-, you know, like, like right. still kind of like he was in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Here's all this information, like here's the information dump that this movie needs right. provided by a character that looks like a character that you already love, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and it's Paul Rudd, very so marvel-y. they can do this six years down the road, and he's going to look exactly the same. So Yeah, because he still looks like he does in uh, in Clueless or whatever. I feel yeah. like he did look a little bit older in this trailer. I noticed that. He did. He looked older, but it not it, like It might have as been a designed, like, make him look more grizzled for the darker tone. True. But, True. yeah, I mean, he's still Wet Hot American Summer, Scott, or, yeah. uh, Paul Rudd to me. <laughs> One thing that did bug me slightly that I feel a lot of people or some of the stuff that I watched or listened to this past week talking about this trailer was that people really liked the line where he said, like, I don't have to win, just both of us have to lose, or something like that. I feel like that is a variation of the line in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker that everybody hated Mm -hmm. when General Hux said... I don't have to win. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. Like, that's kind of the same line. Right. But people hated that line, and they're loving this line. It's kind of the same thing, guys. You can't have it both ways. I don't know. Similar line. Maybe it'll make different sense in context, whatever, but I don't know. Or maybe if we saw the General Hux line in a trailer, maybe people would have liked it more. But 
Anyway, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania comes out sometime in February. And uh, we'll be going to see it and we'll be talking about it, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Steve, someday we should make a plan to go see these movies together. Oh, And we that's could record an instant talk, reaction friend. like on the way out of the movie or something. That'd be cool. That'd make way too much sense. Or we could just drive home and immediately record an instant reaction. I was going to say, Mike, you literally like have to drive past my house from the movie theater to get to your house. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should probably do that sometime in hindsight. Well, that's, that would make sense. I don't think my wife gives a shit about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, so maybe this is the movie doesn't. we do it for. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um... So, yeah, I feel like even if Scott Lang uh, dies, he'll probably come back. Speaking of uh, people that may not come back to the Marvel Universe, you like that segue, yeah, Steve? Bravo. Um, 100 episodes isn't much we're of getting a story there. Ex- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Professionalism. <laughs> professional podcasters. Uh, Mike Coulter, who played Luke Cage in two seasons of a show on Netflix called Luke Cage. And also um, Wayne Jessica Jones and wherever yes, else that's Luke right. Cage has appeared. Um, defenders the defenders yes um he gave an interview this week where he asked about uh returning as luke cage and uh he cast a little bit of doubt on whether or not that's ever going to happen again and he said the following um i i got the interviewer i guess asked him if he was staying in shape be whether or not he might be was he staying in shape for a possible return as luke cage sorry and uh, he responded, I just try to stay in reasonable shape just because. But I don't think about Luke Cage opportunities. It's one of those things where it's in the rearview mirror at this point. If somehow I get a call, my dance card is kind of full. But if I get a call, something happens, great. I had a good time. I'm happy, more than happy, to let someone else take on that mantle or that role. The character's living on for a long time. Fans are going to have that character one way, shape, or form for the rest of their lives. And I'm happy to have been a part of that for those guys. So this isn't the kind of thing where he's like, well, I don't know. You never know. Something might happen. Some like I feel like sometimes when it's a possibility. If he's like if he's had a call with Kevin Feige, it would be more of a well, you never know. Hopefully that would be great. But someday he's kind of saying like, you know, I'm fine if someone else plays Luke Cage, (laughs) you know. Yeah, but Which is Charlie Cox did sur- too. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like one of the last things I heard from Charlie Cox before we knew he was coming back was saying like, well, someone else can play Daredevil. That's fine. Right. And, and then he's back. And then he's back. But I don't know. It's kind of shocking to hear this when we know Matt Murdock or when we know Charlie Cox is playing Matt Murdock again. Yeah. Officially. Um, I was kind of surprised. This, I only... Re- I only included this because I was so surprised to hear him talking pretty blatantly about like, yeah, I don't really think about it. Like if it happens, fine, but I don't, right. I don't care if it, I don't care if it doesn't happen. Um, where normally I feel like if people get asked this question, they feel like, yeah, I would love if it happens again, but right. you know, who knows they made different changes, but like, you know, I'm still here if they need me, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and I just think it would be a huge bummer to not get him back as Luke Cage, just as I think it would be a huge bummer to not get Chris and Ritter back as Jessica Jones. And uh, what's-his-face back as Punisher? You know, Iron Fist, we can all take or leave Iron Fist, I'm sure. But yeah. um, those John three Bernthal? I would like to see back. Is it John Bernthal that was a Punisher? John Bernthal, yes, that's yep. his name. I was couldn't think of his name. So um, 
I know. And uh, even Steve? I mean, along those lines, if Foggy and uh, Carrier, uh, Deborah Ann Wald don't come back. Yeah, man. We still haven't gotten confirmation of whether or not they're coming back, have we? No, I don't think so. It's driving me crazy. I also like how I when used they Foggy's start name and show, not like... Karen Page. I, <laughs> I went to Deborah Ann Wall, but Yeah, I need Deborah Ann Wall to be back in this show. I yes. need the dude that played Foggy to be in this show. Yeah. They were like... One of my favorite things about Daredevil, the, sh- the series, and honestly, I'm not holding my breath that Disney Plus is going to be able to execute this as well as the Netflix series did. No, it won't. But but one of my... <laughs> you don't even know what I'm going to say. No, I don't, like, but yeah, I know not it won't. Do it. Like, the bar was set that high. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I don't think... Dare, I don't, I'll go on record right now. I don't think Daredevil Born Again is going to be nearly as good as the Netflix Daredevil show. If it is, I'll be the first one to say that I'm wrong, and I'll be celebrating it. I'll be dancing in the street happy that I'm wrong about it. But part of the reason that that show was so good is that it gave actual crucial storylines to the quote-unquote side characters, to Foggy Nelson, to yeah. uh, Karen Page, etc. Any character on that show was there for a reason, an yep. integral reason that folded in to the hero, Matt Murdock, Daredevil's story and plot. Like, yeah, he's the main character, but you care about the side characters because they are, they're not just doing something, it's not like a B plot that has no relevance to what else is going on. It's right. like something that is important to the overall story. And it was never a thing where they cut away to a side character when I was like, oh, why don't they cut back to Daredevil? Like, right. he's the one I care. It was like, well, oh, no, when, no, this is a storyline that I'm also interested in. Yeah, even the Rosario Dawson stuff. Like, that yes, all was exactly. like, you, you cared about Night Nurse and the whole character, like, the whole thing yeah. was great. Yes, exactly. And I got to say, Jessica Jones did that was the same way yeah. for me. There, all the I mean, characters that was, were That was important. also helped along by David Tennant being amazing. Oh, incredible. <laughs> incredible. Still... And I, I think we've been on record with it. The best Marvel villain that's been portrayed. I mean, for me, it's between him and Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. Like, my yeah. top choice is yeah. coming from one of those both of, shows. Both of those are perfectly fine options. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even in, like, season two of Jessica Jones was, like, fine. It wasn't as good as season... Season one, to me, is, like... yeah perfection i love season one of jessica jones so much season two was like okay and it was similar to like what i've said about boba fett in the past where i didn't realize how much i wasn't real i didn't realize how much of a drop in quality it was until there was one episode where david Tennant showed up Mm -hmm. as like a flat like a memory and i was like oh this is the dynamic now here (laughs) it is the show i I was missing (laughs) yeah yep where uh same thing as like boba fett where it's like mandalorian showed up was like oh here it is i care about this guy like it was that same kind of thing but season three of jessica jones is excellent so if anyone fell off after season two go back watch season three it's great i actually just realized because i i was gonna start well i started rewatching daredevil but I was going yeah. to try and get my wife to start watching Daredevil because it's just good television. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. it's not really her her bag. Yeah. But Jessica Jones might be more up that alley. Dude, same. I tried to get my wife to watch Daredevil, and the episode I picked to start her on was the episode where a guy uh, killed himself by impaling his own head on a, a mm-hmm. like a pointy yep. fence yep. post. And she was like, no, I'm never watching this with you ever. But... 
She loved and watched with me every episode of Jessica Jones. Yep. There we so go. So good. So good. Uh, one more Marvel story. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a negative one. one. <laughs> yeah. And it's one that we've talked about before, but as a new report uh, from Vulture uh, references Marvel's continuing trouble with uh, visual effects artists in the industry and how they are still getting apparently very underpaid by Marvel to work on these series and shows and movies. A new report from Vulture claims that Marvel pays its visual effects artists 20% less than other studios do. Um, one uh, visual effects insider estimated that they are, quote, completing roughly four times the amount of work that they are being paid for. And this person is a visual effects artist. And they said, as soon as I finish, you know, redacted project that I can't mention in this interview, mm -hmm. as soon as I finish blank, I am never coming back. Um, VFX IASTE, it's the visual effects union, estimates that Marvel hires one VFX artist for every three that another studio would hire for equivalent jobs. Um, this article also mentioned just the common complaint that we've mentioned before about last minute changes, too many rounds of approval. Um, it also claimed uh, that Kevin Feige is very involved in effects, approving effects shots. And then someone else later in the article said that he's not actually. So like that's, you know, maybe a little bit of hearsay, but I feel like Steve, you and I have talked about this at least three times Yeah, on this show. Why isn't this a bigger story? Like, why isn't, why aren't people asking Kevin Feige about this? That's he actually a really good, good question because, like, right? I mean, maybe, maybe something like this story is one of the ones that's going to start drumming that up because we had heard a lot of, yeah, there's this, that, and, you know, it's all hearsay. With this, it seems like there might be some sort of data to back it up or like actual, uh, more, more than just, like, yeah, I don't want to work for them because right. they do bad things. Like, if if there can be some sort of groundswell of, uh, I guess, uh, evidence to back the claims up, then maybe there would be more of a shout. But at the same time, it's still really, really shitty. I know. And you would think one person would ask Kevin Feige on a press tour, like, when is the press tour for Ant-Man going to start? Like some, Hey, if I'm sure if anyone is listening to this, that maybe be at a, a, a junket with Kevin Feige, ask him about it. Yeah. Yo, there's been a lot of reports that you guys aren't paying VFX artists. What's going on with that? See what he says. Oh yeah. Or ask, Maybe. even ask Paul Rudd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ask like an actor and like, Just they don't, get it on they the record out know. there somewhere. Like, yeah, exactly. Like they, they won't know numbers. They won't know exactly what's going on because they're in a different thing. But you know, who knows? Paul Rudd be like, yeah, I read that article too. That's, I think they should talk yeah. about that. You know, like they're not going to fire Paul Rudd. <laughs> they're not going to fire Anthony Mackie or like some or Sebastian Stan. They're not going to yeah. fire Brie Larson, but like they could say, they don't have to say details, but they could say, yeah, I think if that's true, you know, they, they could shine a light on it, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I'm shocked that with the amount of times this has been reported, yeah, 
you know, like you and I, this is the third time that you and I, some rinky dink podcast is yeah. talking about it. Like, are we the only podcast that's talking about it? We can't be, no, right? I so mean, it's, it's these articles enough. are being published. People have to be talking about it. Somebody ask, ask well, a Marvel person about it. It's kind of the Amazon thing where like, I don't like Amazon, but they're there and they're convenient. And like yeah. these young they're VFX impossible artists, to say no to. Yeah. Right. These young VFX There's no artists, other alternative. Like you want that Marvel look on your resume when you're applying to the jobs right. that don't suck as much, so you're gonna yeah. go do it. So I don't know. It's it's a weird, weird situation, but not a great one for uh, if they're if they're underpaying by as much as being reported. It's uh it's and you know, expecting as much out as on the back end as they're expecting. Yeah. It's not not healthy for anybody in the industry. I actually read, I should have put this in the notes. I, I read an article today. I believe that it was in regards to, oh, Don Cheadle was asked about um, Iron Wars. Mm -hmm. And he was asked about the expansion of Marvel and how they can keep it going. And he was like, yeah, they can keep it going forever. And I hope that, you know, the, I hope the quality over quantity isn't, you know, I, I hope that they're able to still keep it good or whatever as they, right. as they keep going. And then the article went into, this was a, an article on, sorry, I, I don't have it in front of me. It was an article on uh, CBR.com, comicbookresources.com. And they alluded to another report somewhere. So this is not, <laughs> I don't have right. any, report any of a uh, report receipts. Type thing. I don't have any receipts in front of me, but comicbookreporting.com uh, comic um, said that they had heard that there may be some shuffling um, because that there had been, quote, internal negative reviews um, on, like, visual effects and, like, the quality and what they're doing and how they're treating uh, the people and, like, that they... the pumping these things out, you know, like that you and I aren't the only ones that are a little feeling a little Marvel fatigue right. at the amount, the, the rate that these things are being passed out, which could lead to some delays or some like some announcements of things getting delayed or pushed back or just not such a glut of stuff. Yeah. Turn and, the fire hose off a little. Yeah. If that's the case, I, I, uh, I don't know. I praise, I praise that decision. Yeah. If that ends up being the case, because well, and it's funny how all these major corporations do this with their IP, because right yeah. now there's actually a bunch of reports out uh, of Wizards of the Coast, who owns Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons, of things that they're doing, uh, like Magic. They've been ramping up the amount of product they've been putting out year over year repeatedly, and yeah. it's it's almost doubled in the last like. Five, five years or so and mm. they're almost into like 90s sports card territory where they're just there's <laughs> there's so much out there that they're just devaluing their own product yeah and yeah. then yeah D, D, they're like they put out a whole thing about shutting down the open gaming license which was what everybody could make third-party content uh for oh wow yeah. and um it was like you're literally not seeing the forest for the trees. Like people are interested in D and D because of all the third party content and the exterior right. support, not, you know, in spite of it. And all these large corporations just, you get, you get new management in. It's like, Oh, we'll try and turn a quick buck instead of looking at the, exactly. the long term. And I yeah, think DC like, was oh, doing that for is... a long time too. Yeah. 
like, oh, this is popular. We right. must put out as much as humanly possible um, until pe- until it's not popular anymore. Right. Uh, but guess what? When it's not popular anymore, you lose money. <laughs> you get no more paycheck. <laughs> and if you're not making a quality product, it's not going to be popular anymore. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I I really hope. I'm, I know that you and I are definitely not the only ones that were met on phase four. Like, I feel like I read a lot of stuff on Twitter and like social media about like, okay, phase four, let's, you know, we're not the, we're not the only ones with fatigue with Marvel fatigue, I should mm-hmm. say. And I really hope that they ramp it up for phase five. Otherwise I really, I feel like by the time we get to secret wars, it'll be like, who cares about this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if phase five is the same if phase five has the same reaction as phase four, then receipts are going to start really going down, mm-hmm. I think. And it's going to be kind of embarrassing, I think, for Marvel to have announced a phase five and parts of a phase six. And then by the time they get to phase six, it's like, yo, no one cares about this anymore because right. you're making some dog shit movies or like just without effect with effects that are just not there. Well, the not smart there. the smart thing for that, though, is... They can burn out Phase 5 and 6, but then as soon as you slap Fantastic Four or X-Men on a movie and send it out there, it's going to just ramp everything back up. I agree with you, but if you make a Fantastic Four movie that looks like shit because you're not paying your virtual effects artists or oh, visual yeah, effects no, artists, you know, they, then they definitely it's not going to do very well. Like, I, ones, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. That'll make money no matter what, but it's not going to get you the reviews. Like, hey, Batman versus Superman made a ton of money. But the reviews were dog shit, so you know Warner Brothers panicked. You and know, so was most of the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Although that same see, with Suicide now, Suicide Squad made a bunch of money too, and that movie was terrible. But Rise of Skywalker, um, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. And, it doesn't mean that oh, it's God. not going to continue in the long in the long term. Right. So if Marvel, you know, and Marvel does not want their Fantastic Four movie to be dog shit. There's mm-hmm. been enough dog shit Fantastic Four movies. They know it needs to be good. Same with their X Men movie. They can Whatever make, that comes they out, can make like a six and a half Fantastic Four movie, and it'll right. seem like a blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Compared to the other two, three, yeah, however many there were. I mean, I hope that they have that. I hope that they're keeping that in mind. I hope they're like, okay, well, the effects have to be really good mm-hmm. for Fantastic Four, so, but but that's like, if they're like, it's like Ant Man seems like they spent a lot of money on the visual effects. But it was yeah. like, okay, Ant-Man needs to be really good so we can take a little bit of the budget off of Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is that how they're playing this? Like, okay, Fantastic Four's got to be really good. So Deadpool 3, we can scale back a little bit. You know, like, what are they? Like, yeah. how about none of that? How about just space everything out and make everything equally mm-hmm. visually interesting? Everything is good. Who knows? And not have to put your BFX artists under deadlines that are completely unrealistic. Exactly. Exactly. Um... So, Steve, I got to say, probably maybe like five, five-ish years ago. When did Endgame come out? Endgame came out in 2018, 19? Eight, 18, 19. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Somewhere in there. So, however many years ago that was. I remember that after Endgame came out, I um, saw somebody online make a following claim that at the time I believed in, I believed was possible. And they said that I think... Um, I can't remember who said this, but I remember seeing somebody say it. I promise you. Not, not, not making it up. 
They said within the next five to ten years, I can see DC overtaking Marvel at the box office. And their reasoning was, okay, they just had Endgame. They wrapped up all their big storylines. Who cares about what's coming after that? There's going to be a dip in the amount of people that are interested in this storyline when some of these main characters have been retired. And that is true. Yes. The other thing that they said at that time, they were like, Zack Snyder's being phased out. We're getting new blood with James Wan is making Aquaman movie. You know, there's a Shazam, like all this stuff is like going to happen. Wonder Woman, blah, blah, blah. Like these things are moving on. If these, if these get off the ground and are good and Marvel starts slipping, then there could be whatever. But like, you know, DC still fumbled the ball here or there. They ended up doing the Zack Snyder's Justice League thing that set them back with the Justice League Snyder bros. Whatever. They'd made, they still couldn't get out of their own way. I think it's possible the same same could be true now where we are. We don't know what James Gunn and Peter Safran are doing. Right. And we're talking about a possible continual slide for Marvel unless they like start uh, really, I don't know, digging in, like getting us, winning us back somehow. And I don't even know how that is. I don't, when I was talking, I just watched the Ant-Man trailer with my wife and she was like, I don't care about that. And I was like, I also kind of don't care about like that trailer. Like I'm the same way. And I also don't know what they need to do to win me back. Really? Besides make a movie about the (laughs) X-Men or something, you know, like that's, what's going to suck me in. Like I like Ant-Man, but not enough to not in, not in this way. So whatever, but you know, DC stuff I'm very into, very excited about. And if it's new and fresh and different enough and it looks really good and it doesn't look like every other Marvel movie I've ever seen, yeah. then I feel like there's a chance that DC could become increasingly competitive. And it's not like they, of course, they've been competitive with Marvel at the box office. I pro- I mean, well, I'm not looking yeah, at numbers. They've, but been, like, they've been competitive, the but, they, office, haven't, but... they haven't been in danger of overtaking the MCU yeah. as a whole, I don't believe. And I, in all honesty, until we see anything come out of the Gun and Saffron camp, and yes. you and I are putting a lot of a, a lot on that just because we know the track record. Yeah. But until we know that the rest of Warner Brothers Discovery is getting the hell out of their way, I don't even know if we can, you know, bank anything yeah. on that. Yeah, and you want to say that they will cuz like part of me is like well when James Gunn made the suicide squad he said that Warner Brothers was like yeah you can do whatever you want you can kill whoever you want you can just it's carte blanche you can do what you want but that was before Warner Brothers was bought by Discovery so different people are in charge now and you don't know who like what David Zaslav is saying you can't kill Deadshot or whatever you know right. you can't kill Harley you know whatever you don't know what he's working with but like you said, the track record makes us believe that things will be better. And the fact that James Gunn knows how Marvel works, I think he's going to focus on like, okay, this is what they're doing. How can we be different? How can we stand out? How can we treat our visual effects artists better? Who knows? All that to be a semi, semi-professional segue into talking about DC. And guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, days and gays, we are starting off our DC, DC segment with Flash Watch. Flash Watch. Um, it's not coming out till June. I really, I do have time to like write a theme song that you can plug in. Right? Oh yeah. When we do yeah. a Flash Watch, just hit it on the soundboard and call yeah. it. Yeah. 
real quick, this is nothing that really has to do with the movie because at this point we know the movie's coming out regardless of anything that happens with Ezra Miller. But Ezra Miller has accepted a plea deal and has pleaded guilty to trespassing in a, his uh, or their Vermont burglary case. So they were in danger of going to prison yes. <laughs> for a long time. And instead and, probably uh, paid them a boatload of money. Yes, they probably uh, gave a bunch of money and accepted a plea deal. Guilty of trespassing. Uh, pleaded not guilty to the burglary charge. Is getting off light. That's what's going on there in Flashland. Nothing else to talk about, really. But that movie's still coming out this summer. I'm still excited about it. I know that they're a wild card and, um, you know, likely um, likely not done making terrible decisions. But I guess we'll we'll see about that. But it's not going to keep me away from seeing a Flash movie. But uh, other DC stuff, guess what? We're not talking about James Gunn and Peter Safran. Well, we well, kind of. <laughs> kind of. But not in a way where we're really, like, speculating. I will say the one thing that I saw... You know what? Sorry. Screw that. We're going to talk about James Gunn and Peter Safran real quick. <laughs> Just two things. Um, last week, I noted that... I, hold by on. The end... I like how that went from, we're not talking about them. One thing. Two things. <laughs> <laughs> one thing. Two thing. Now we're talking about them. Um, I noted on last week's podcast that by the end of last week, we will be halfway through the month of January. Now we are. We are halfway through the month of January as we record this episode. We are still supposed to get an announcement from James Gunn about his or p- partial announcement of what their slate is for DC. Still haven't gotten it yet, so it could be any time. We're running out of January at this moment. So That's true. And he did say in a tweet this he did say that he is they are going to be announcing things soon. And that tweet was a response to somebody claiming that somebody had been cast as Superman. And he responded to that tweet saying, nobody has been cast as Superman. Um, and we are, we are, we will be announcing some things fairly soon, but who the person playing Superman will not be one of them. Which ruins uh, what I said uh, also on last week's podcast about how what I really want is like this big announcement of like, here's the Superman movie, here's what it's called, and come out on stage, here's who's playing him. Like, it's looking right. like not likely. We're not going to get the announcement of the movie and the person at the same time. I don't know. I still hope that they do it with some kind of excitement and pageantry and uh, fandom in mind and not just like, here's a tweet, hey, here's what my Superman movie's called, or here's what we're doing with Wonder Woman or whatever. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Um, Speaking of a discussion like that, Matt Reeves seemed to have had one. Yeah, and is going to have another one. Uh, Matt Reeves, um, in a couple interviews this week, talked a lot about things that he's working on, including The Penguin. Penguin is a series that uh, they're starting to shoot very soon and also supposed to come out this year. So it's a quick production schedule. Um, And he confirmed that the series, The Penguin, will set up slightly the sequel to the Batman, the Batman two, the film. And he said, we are very, very soon going to start shooting the penguin with Colin, Colin Farrell. That is super exciting. There's actually a whole little fabric of things we're wanting to do the way we're doing the, with the penguin and how that comes back into, well, what is this sentence and how that comes back into how that will lead into the sequel 
and what the sequel is going to be. So, I mean, he was kind of fumbling over his words there, yeah, but hopefully. clearly he's saying that what they're doing with the Penguin leads very well into the Batman 2. I can't imagine... I feel like Marvel's has been... Marvel has been frustratingly good with this, where they tell you the series is important to see the movie, but you yeah. can also kind of see the movie without having had watched the series. The one exception to that, I believe is Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, really kind of depended on you seeing WandaVision to fully get what was going on. Yeah, to get the full degree, I'd, I'd agree with you. I mean, I, I can't you could definitely of, do it, like, but it wouldn't be the same. Because we're talking about her kids and stuff, and if you hadn't seen the show, then you would never know that she had kids right. at all. Like, that was a plot point in that movie. Yeah, you, like, you no either other... needed to have seen WandaVision or have read House of M, which, if you've read House right. of M, you probably watched WandaVision. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you're that person, you're both people. Um, so, I can't imagine that's going to be so pivotal that you won't know what's happening in the Batman 2 if you haven't seen it, but I'm sure, whatever. Um, and then, speaking of the Batman 2, he said, We're deep into it, and my partner and I are writing. Matson Tomlin, which is uh, the person that he's co-writing the movie with which we announced uh, a few months ago Matson Tomlin and I are writing and it's really exciting I am really excited about what we're doing great I'm glad you're excited about it I can't wait to hear at least one detail <laughs> about this movie because there's so far there's been none other than it's a movie and it's happening <laughs> yes on James Gunn and Peter Safran he said the following we've talked a few times I'm supposed to get together with him and Peter sometime this month. They've been working feverishly on what they're doing, and I've been working hard with my partners on what we're doing, all our shows and stuff. It means the Penguin, the Arkham Asylum show, Batman 2, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to have a sit-down where we talk about everything that's going on and what the arcs of these two things are. I'm excited to hear what they're doing. They have a big plan, and I have this big Batverse plan. It's just about us really getting in, getting to know each other. It's going to be fun. The fact that he called what he's working on a Batverse makes me so happy <laughs> and so excited. Like, he's got plans. He's got just, you know, he's got branches of things in his mind. He knows what he's doing it, to the point where he calls it a whole verse, a Batverse. And that plays into what we talked about last week where you brought up something that I had not thought of yet, which is crazy for me to not think loving Batman the way I do, that of course they have to talk because if James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to have a Batman and yet Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson are doing their own Batman thing, they're not going to be stepping on each other's toes. They can't tell the same stories. Right. They can't probably... Uh, yeah, I don't know. They can't, they can't tell the same stories. They can't step on each other's toes. They can't use the same characters in the same way. If they're using the same characters at all, maybe like a Robin, it has to be wildly different so people don't get them confused, which mm -hmm. is why I think the Batman that ends up being the DCU Batman under James Gunn is going to be wildly different than Robert Pattinson. And I think that's smart and good and exciting because um, part of the reason that I am, I mean... I'm very excited about whatever James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to announce, whatever they're going to do. I may not like it, but I'm very excited that they are 
getting their hands on this stuff and retooling it in a way that supposedly will move it forward in a better way. Um, what I'm less excited about is the stuff that I'm complaining about with Mar the, the Marvel stuff right now is like, yeah, it all looks the same. I get it. I'm yep. sick of it. I've seen it a lot like 10 years from now. Hey, I hope I'm saying that about DC movies 10 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have never been in a place where I've said, had that complaint about DC movies. I hope 10, 15 years from now, that's what I'm saying about James Gunn's DC you. But at the same time, unlike Marvel, and it's certainly not as much as they were doing. They were kind of doing this thing where everything was canon and every, you know, multiple universes like the CW was a different universe and Matt Reeves is a different universe and Michael Keaton is a different universe and Snyderverse is a different thing. You know, whatever. There was all these different things, but it was all connected via the multiverse. Now James Gunn has said, sorry, what's that? I've heard there's a report on that. Yeah. Yes. We're it's happening right now. This. Oh, this okay. Got it. Is the multiverse report. Um and what I I that's part that's, that's something that I liked about what Warner Brothers was doing was that yeah, they can do all these different things in a way that Marvel can't. Marvel can't have two Captain Americas at the same time because their thing has been continuity, continuity, continuity. I mean, we so currently this is your have Iron Man. two Captain Americas at the same time. Well, yeah, in now the they do. In the comics, they do, yes. but not in the films. Uh, in the Yeah, I'm not talking about comics. Okay. Comics can do any kind of crazy batshit stuff all the time, and that's wonderful, and that's why I love comics. Right. Because you can buy two different Batman comics, and he looks completely different, and he's acting completely different. He's mm -hmm. fighting different people. It's like, when is this taking place? It doesn't matter. It's just a story. Right. They can make but Avengers. The films, they can make Savage Avengers, and they can make Uncanny Avengers, and they're all coming out at the same time. Exactly. You can have Batman. You can have uh, Detective Comics. You can have Batman Urban Legends. You can have Batman whatever other subtitle, and they're all happening at the same time. Um, but in films, you can't do that, or Marvel can't do that. Marvel can't just have another Iron Man show up in a, a spin-off universe or whatever, and it would be it would be confusing because their whole thing is continuity. But DC is built on this or is building on this like, OK, well, Matt Reeves has this thing, so that's going to stay over here. Todd Phillips has a Joker thing that's going to stay over here. So. And James Gunn is going to build this one big MCU like story across shows and games and everything movies. That's what he's said. But I, I like that we're still getting a little multiverse flavor. I like that we're still emulating the comics. Marvel does a lot to emulate comic books as far as continuity and like crossovers and things like that. DC is doing this thing where they're emulating comics in a way like, yes, if you like this Batman, you can buy that man book. If you like this Batman, you can buy this Batman book, Matt Reeves versus James Gunn or whatever. And I think that's really cool that they're going to be able to continue both sides of the same coin, if that makes sense. No, I get it. Okay. Sorry, that was me talking a lot yeah. about what about Batman. Um, well, one thing can... that I really hope that I, I should have said last week when we were saying things that we want from the James Gunn yeah. DCU. One thing that I really hope that they do, and it would help to set apart James Gunn's Batman from the Robert Pattinson Batman. I would love a classic blue and gray bat suit. Okay. There's never, never been a lot besides Adam West. There has never been a live action blue and gray bat suit. I want them to bring that back, make it comic booky right. as hell that's well, what you i can, want the other thing you could do is i mean look at look at the current run 
Zdarsky bought, brought the blue and gray back yeah. and made it look yeah. modern. Like, yep. it doesn't have to be the Adam West, like, I cut no, out these exactly. things out of felt and pasted them on my face type look. Yeah. Like, you can make the it look closest, good. The closest it's been is Ben Affleck's suit. Okay. It was like a black with a gray, and it yeah. looked fabric-y. It didn't, it wasn't like yep. armored like Robert Pattinson is and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like cloth or whatever. So I want something like that, but blue. Can be dark blue. Whatever you need. Well, we've gone from you talking a lot to I'm going to slot in me talking for a little bit here, too. Do uh, it, baby. So I know Mike did not get to see the uh, debut of The Last of Us. Um, that debuted yesterday on the yesterday. 15th uh, on HBO. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal game. Uh, 2013, I believe, PlayStation 3 game. That was Excellent game. One of, uh, and I told my wife, I was like, that was one of the best stories I've ever heard told in any medium. 100% agree with you, yes. And they they did it in video game form, and it worked phenomenally. Uh, narratively, story-wise, everything was just great. Um, yep. So HBO is making, and we've talked about it a couple of times, making a series based on that. Uh, I got to see the first episode today, uh, actually right before we recorded as well. Uh, it's, I, I fit a lot in right before we recorded today. Apparently. Yeah, you really yeah. did. <laughs> I walked the dog. I watched The Last of Us. It was a good day. <laughs> um, but ended up seeing it. Uh, I think first episode's like an hour and 20 minutes is the intro. Um, picks right up. Um, and, you know, spoilers for a how-many-year-old game if you haven't played it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it starts right up with... Well, actually, no. There's, a, there's an intro even before where we would have started in the game, which was oh, really? great. Uh, just setting I'm kind of nervous about that first episode. I'm glad you're saying it's good, but like, Dude. because I played the game, I don't really want to watch the first episode because um, I know something terrible happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you see Sarah right off the bat. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's from that into the jump. And then it's any. Anyone who's played the game knows what I'm talking about. Anyone who hasn't yeah. is like, he's <laughs> yeah. making zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> but it starts you. with the Sarah stuff, goes right to the jump after that, and hits the ground running. Mm. And uh, Bella Ramsey playing Ellie right off the bat feels right. Um, Joel being portrayed by uh, oh God, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Um, who's apparently having a month. Uh, sure is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, it just, it was well done. It hit the right notes. It hit the right feel. Um, and it, it, this, this show will not be for the faint of heart. The game was not, the game is one of the no. few games that have s- legit scared me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Same. um, and, and this, it doesn't seem like it's too over the top with that. But also, like I was, I was sitting there knowing what happens. I'm still sitting there nervous watching the show. So I can, <laughs> I can, as you can imagine, that's probably a, a testament to the quality of it. Yeah, um, I have not played the Last of Us Part Two, and part of it is that the first one was like harrowing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. to get through. And it's <laughs> I've I I know enough about the second one to know that it continues. What happens in the first one where the first one makes you make choices that you don't want to have to make. It really does. Um, and that was the hard part about playing it. Also, that there was times when I was terrified and I could 
if there was like a, a monster or something that I, or a, a level like I couldn't get past, I would like give it a shot and then just like, OK, well, I'm turning it off. I'm too scared. Yeah. I'm not going to try it again. <laughs> like I, I died. I'll try it again tomorrow because yep. I'm not doing it again right now. Terrifying. So um, I'm bringing all that into the show with me when I start the show, probably I don't know tomorrow sometime this week. Very excited about it. Yeah, um, it's and it's gotten critical acclaim so far as well. So it's it's been well received. Yes, I've heard nothing but uh, but great things about it. And speaking of critical acclaim, mm. we are You're killing the segues today. <laughs> thanks, man. I really am. Right? Yeah, Thank it's you. Great. <laughs> we are um, just getting into award season, uh, loyal listeners. And uh, this past week, we both we saw both the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards. And I I'm not someone that really cares too much about awards because art is subjective. Mm. And if you get upset about your favorite thing not being nominated or not winning some award, don't worry about it because it can still be your favorite thing. And just because some like room of old white dudes didn't like the thing as much as you liked the thing, it's fine. It's okay. Just keep watching the thing that you like to watch. But there's been enough uh, nerdy or nerdy tangential wins in these two uh, prominent award shows that we thought we'd mention it. Um, and we're probably not going to mention too much more about award shows until we get to the Oscars. If something like you know, right, something makes one of these, there if one of these ends up winning uh, or getting nominated for an Oscar or something, we'll see. But um, at the Golden Globes, this is just highlight. We just wanted to highlight some of the nerdy or genre related yeah. stuff that has that won some of these awards. So at the Golden Globes, Angela Bassett won Best Supporting Actress for her performance in Wakanda Forever, which is something that. We talked about after we saw Wakanda Forever that she was worthy, I think, of at least a nomination right. for some of these big awards, and she's got at least one of them. Yeah, that, um, was, that was the definition of very good movie. Angela Bassett was on a different plane. <laughs> yeah, she was, yes, acting. She was as if she was in a different movie. Yeah. For sure. It was not, I'm here for a Marvel oh, movie. Was paycheck. that pun intended? Because at one point she actually was on a different plane. You're right. You're right. She was. <laughs> Uh, best TV series, the Golden Globes, went to House of the Dragon. Best animated film went to uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is phenomenal, if you'd like to watch that. So I highly that. recommend it. Also, we are the Multiverse Report, as previously stated. And so, I don't know. I think we maybe I mentioned this. I don't know if you've seen this movie. I haven't, but you've talked you about haven't. it. And enough people have we, told me I need to see it. To... It's, Yeah. It's yeah. not a superhero movie, but it's a multiverse movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. One best actress, Michelle Yeoh. Best supporting actor, Ki Hu Kwan. Short round himself from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Hey, all he was also up. Data. And Data from Goonies, mm -hmm. yes. Um, so that was really cool to see that uh, movie win in some stuff. Critics' Choice Awards... Uh, we're about to hear some of the same um, same stuff. Everything, everywhere, all at once at the Critics' Choice Awards won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Editing. Also, Best Supporting Actor, Ki-Hu Kwan, Critics' Choice Award, and Golden Globe. A lot of people are saying that this movie is too... If you, I mean, Steve, once you see this movie, yeah. you'll understand. It's wild. It's out there. It's crazy. But it's 
rooted on like such a personal human story that it works and you care so much about the characters. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful film. But people are saying it's too weird to win an Oscar for Best Picture because the Oscars are voted on by a bunch of old white dudes right. that don't watch weird shit and don't like weird shit. Like whatever they, the Fablemans, the Steven Spielberg movie, that's going to win Best Picture, whatever, because it's safe. Right. And I am inclined to agree with that. But at the same time, a few years ago, Guillermo del Toro won Best Picture for a movie about a woman that falls in love with the creature from the Black Lagoon, The Shape of Water, mm. which is also an excellent film deemed too weird to win an Oscar. So everything, everywhere, all at once could be in line for an Academy Award. We shall see. Um, so yeah, Best Supporting Actor, uh, Kehu Kwan. Best Supporting Actress also went to Angela Bassett for her role in Wakanda Forever. Best Costume Design went to Ruth E. Carter for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Best Visual Effects, Avatar 2, The Way of Water, of course. Best Animated Feature also went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Best Movie Made for TV, Weird, The Al Yankovic Story. And Best Actor in a Movie Made for TV, Daniel Ratcliffe as Weird Al. Hell yeah. And this was a surprise to me. Critics' Choice Awards for Best Animated. What's that? It's a surprise to me reading it now. Yeah. Critics' Choice Award for Best Animated Series, Harley Quinn. The HBO Max series, Harley Quinn. Best Animated Series at the Critics' Choice Awards. I'm telling you, if you're not watching Harley Quinn, get off your ass and watch Harley Quinn. It's great. It's great. Apparently, the Critics' Choice Awards don't go for anything safe because that's not safe. Yeah. It's (laughs) not safe. Yeah. Um... Yeah. All right. So yeah, so that's a war. Yeah. So we'll probably talk about Oscar stuff. If like Angela Bassett gets a nod or, uh, yeah. Kihei Kwan ends up, um, winning anything or everything everywhere ends up in anything. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, but not super awards, uh, yeah. savvy, uh, moving into comics. Uh, we got a cool announcement. Marvel announced this week, a new limited run series for a, a, a character that goddamn deserves one storm. Uh, one of the most powerful and coolest X-Men, Storm, um, can be written by Anne Nocenti and artist Sid Koshian, or Kotian. I'm not sure how to say that name. I don't know, if Steve, if you're nope, familiar with these. No clue on that one. Uh, uh, Anne Nocenti, you should be familiar with as well. I'm very familiar with. Uh, what is Anne Nocenti? Uh, she had a very, she had one of the seminal Catwoman runs. Um, oh, no way. She was okay. also uh, the editor for a lot of Claremont's latter days with Un- Uncanny and New Mutants. Oh, okay. And then she did a, she was a writer on Daredevil with like the Typhoid Mary storyline and all that. I think she created Typhoid Mary. Oh, so wow. She's, okay. She's like classic Marvel royalty. Yeah. I knew she had been around for a while. Yep. Um, I think it was Ramita and what? her did the Daredevil run. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if she if she worked with Claremont, then she clearly has more than a passing familiarity with this character. Oh yeah, and that was like that was peak. Uh, that era of Storm was like her running the team or like towards the forefront of the team and that sort of thing too. Yeah. And right, running which the is team what this Uncanny is, and, which is what yeah. this uh, limited series is supposed to be based on, because we're going back in time to giant sized X Men days, and Storm is going to be in her punk rock leather jacket mohawk look yes <laughs> at best her best look hands down um when she's the leader of the x-men okay which that's is awesome awesome yeah and uh nocenti's quote was saying said that when marvel asked me to write a story with punk storm 
excuse me, I wanted the story to reflect her outfit. I thought about punk musicians like Iggy Pop and the Sex Pistols and their apocryphal rebellious attitude. So it was exciting to start from there and think, what would Storm rebel against? Her own powers? The X-Men being the team leader? I knew it couldn't be classic Storm, always calm, regal, and serene. It should be a wild Storm running from herself. Okay. Damn, this that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Like maybe a little... Um, like a little frazzled, a little like not in control of herself yeah. kind of thing, like too emotional, not really thinking logically with a mohawk and a badass leather jacket. I'm in. And yeah. you can control the weather? Hell yeah. Added bonus, weather control. Uh, weather control. Did they announce anything on timing on this? Or like, do I need to get down and talk to Jesse to get it on my pull list oh, yesterday? I thought or? that I wrote it down. Um, I wanted to say this i i no, i i don't think it's in may may 2023 okay so no so it's you got coming time. up but there's time it's probably not in previews yet you got time you got time but speaking of jesse our buddy at uh funky town comics this week in your local comic book shop you got alien number five avengers forever number 13 batgirls number 14 batman one bad day bane oh can't okay. wait to see this Definitely picking up all the One Bad Day um, books based on their incredibleness so far. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest, number 11. Blade Runner 2039, number 2. I was pretty sure Blade Runner 2039, number 1, came out a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, this said, huh. I don't know, maybe this was like a delay or something. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Deadpool, number 3. Dune, House of Harkonnen, number 1. Fables, number 157. Flash, 791 second issue of one minute war and mm. real quick i gotta say i bought issue one of one minute war and thought it was great a nice. really cool setup for this story uh and actually i put it on my pull list at funky town comics oh, so there i'll you be go. able to uh complete the one minute war storyline very into it steve i bought like four comics this week and i read all of them yeah i i did insane. a lot of catching up as well insane behavior yeah. i can't believe like who does that no idea. Um, House Actually, of Slaughter, number 11. Uh, Hulk, number 11. I Hate Fairyland, number 3. Immortal X-Men, number 10. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 104. New Champion of Shazam, number 4. Nightwing, 100. 100 issues of Nightwing. Punisher, number 9. Shirtless Bear Fighter, number 6. Spider-Man, The Lost Hunt, number 3. Star Wars Bounty Hunters, number 30. Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca, number 9. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 136. Venom, number 15. Wasp, number 1. And West of Sundown, number 8. All those and more will be at your local comic book stores this Wednesday. So check it out. Steve, you mentioned you've been doing a lot of catching up normally. As uh, complained about by one of our listeners, I ask you every week if you've read anything, and you say no. Now I'm asking you if you've read anything, and you're going to say? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Quite a bit, actually. Awesome. So what are you catching up finally, on? You finally read Riddler, One Bad Day. Which oh, was yeah. Amazing. Uh, so good. Finished the first run, the Tennessee Coates run of Black Panther. Uh, read at least three or four books off my pull list, including um, High Republic, The Blade, which is a really cool... So in the High Republic storyline, they've set up mm -hmm. this really old dude that they allude to was 
like a phenom back in the day and like one of the best sword fighters in the Jedi Order and all this. Mm-hmm. And this the Blade Run is like focusing on him and uh his his whole story two hundred years before the two hundred years before um High Republic era. So oh, wow. it, it's cool. it's kind of a cool take on it. Um and then currently running through Immortal X Men catching up on that. So Oh nice. Awesome yeah. dude. Definitely got way um, more reading in than I have in a long time. Yeah, no, me too. Like I said, I, I got Flash um seven ninety. Yep. Start of one minute war. I thought it was really good. Uh I got the new Batman. Uh, read that. I'm up to date on Batman. Up to date on Poison Ivy. The poison the second arc of Poison Ivy has been really good. Oh nice. Like I was because I knew it was only planned for like six issues, I was like, well, how good is the second arc gonna be? Because it got announced like halfway through and I was like, oh no, this is great. It's nice. very good. Um and uh what's the other thing that I read? Oh, I did a lot of catching up on something I am current I am current on something is killing the children. And I have not been in a very long time, but I just right before we started recording, I finished the most recent nice. issue. Um so that's great. Very excited about that. I also read a little bit more of John Ostrander's original Suicide Squad run that I've been working my way through. So very pumped about that. Uh, lots of cool stuff happening in comics. I actually bought uh, volume one and two of a graphic novel series called Bitch Planet. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Uh, it's like a well-known feminist graphic novel. I was going to say, strangely enough, I almost bought your wife that for Christmas because I had her nice. Secret Santa. So. <laughs> well, don't worry about it now because she owns two copies of it, or there I do, and therefore she does. Um, I got them at Funky Town Comics because they had a big sale on Saturday, and all their uh, graphic novels were 40% off. So oh, nice. snatched up those two as well. I did not um, make it down there because life happened. Life happens, man. What's up with life always happening? I know. Anyway, go out and read some comics this week, people. Come on. Get out there. Uh, Moving on into some one-shots before we close up this uh, seemingly long episode. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we've been talking for a long time. Um, First one-shot. A new uh, podcast called Harley Quinn and the Joker Sound Mind. This is part of... uh, We talked about a while ago. Warner Brothers DC made a big deal with Spotify. They're producing a bunch of uh, podcasts. Um, they did a Batman one with Winston Duke as Batman. I don't remember what the name of it was. This is the second that I remember, second one, I think. Harley Quinn and the Joker Sound Mind debuts January 31st on Spotify, starring as Harley Quinn, childhood crush of mine, Christina Ricci, voicing Harley Quinn. Yeah, pretty cool casting, I think. Um, And I believe uh, Justin Hartley, who played Green Arrow on Smallville, is playing Batman in it and there was a joker but i didn't recognize the guy's name nice um but apparently the story of this uh is harley quinn is dealing with a lot of debt out of uh her getting her degree in psychology um and also dealing with like a sick father a lot of medical bills uh the quote from is harley turns the um so sorry i i didn't uh I didn't set this up correctly. So she's dealing with this debt. She's dealing with a sick father. She's assigned to the Joker. And in normal canon, the Joker manipulates her and makes her, you know, fall in love with him. And so he can use her to escape, blah, blah, blah. And that's how that whole abusive relationship starts. When I first saw this podcast was announced, I was like, ugh, they're going back to that. Like, that's part part of the reason that I'm nervous about mm-hmm. The sequel to the Joker, you know, with Lady Gaga as Harley. I'm just like, are they doing that whole gross? I don't want to watch that. Like Harley's 
grown so much since her roots and become a different character. Like it's a regression to bring her back to like being beholden to the Joker. I feel like so. I was like, man, I don't know about this podcast, but apparently in this version, Harley turns the tables on the Joker, uses their relationship to get what she wants. Um, and it says, uh, using their relationship, using her relationship with the Joker to get what she wants and changing the fate of Gotham City forever. So it's kind of a thing where she flips it around on him and uses him for her own gain, which is more attractive storyline to me than just standard shitty abusive relationship i would say Harley yeah. and the joker yeah so so look out for that january 31st it has been over the the past you know couple of years it's been very interesting to see how they take the the problematic former dynamic between those two and have kind of turned it on their head here and there yeah i agree and i think anyone that wants i i there's still like pockets of DC fandom that's like, oh, no, they, they should get back together. It's like Harley and the Joker need to be like a thing. It's like, no, they don't. It's gross. It's bad. They right. don't. Let her be with Poison Ivy as, uh, you know, as has been foretold. Yep. That's what we need. Stop. Stop putting her back with Joker. It's a regression for her character. Anyway. Anyway. Go ahead. Well, speaking of things we hope not to be a regression because it's been <laughs> very tough to adapt over the course of every heck yeah, every year. Uh, Paramount Plus has greenlit a Dungeons & Dragons series. Uh, the eight-episode series was created by Ross and Marshall Thurber, who will also direct the first episode. Uh, I don't know if you intentionally did this, but Ross and Thurber is a former football player from Union College who graduated. Is that true? Yeah, he graduated a couple years before me. No, I did not know that yeah. at all. <laughs> so, Give him a call. See if he needs any help with... Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Seriously, he uh, he wrote and wrote and directed Dodgeball and uh, We're the Millers, and oh. um, whatever the Netflix uh, Red Notice, the Netflix one yes. with Gal Gadot and yep. uh, Ryan Reynolds, and The Rock, I think. Right? Yes. wasn't The Rock yep. in that too? Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, small uh, small world. I thought it was cool that it wasn't like they wanted a pilot. It was like straight to series eight episodes. We're doing this, so like I feel like they have a lot of confidence in it. Yeah, no, seems to be so. You, you have played more Dungeons and Dragons than I have. You're currently DMing a game that I am my first game. Yep. I feel as a novice, I feel a series is a better fit for Dungeons and Dragons than a movie. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's a lot more. There's a lot more way to put meat on the bone for that and make it a little more episodic than. Uh, yeah throw it in a two-hour movie and see if i mean there's the problem with D always has been outside of like since they've gone into the world of Faerun and like created in primarily fourth and fifth edition embraced some of the older creations and made a world there's never really been a there's no plot there's no nothing outside yeah. of all right. the eight there's been eight million books written in D and eight million games played a billion games played probably whatever but like, but there's no there's like no, central character right it's not like you know there's no uh storm isn't getting a, a yeah D game like right there's no bruce wayne right or whatever yeah so yeah it's uh it's that i think that's been part of the the real tough adaptation issues yeah so but I think like, you know, like you get together for like one session and then you go away and then you come back for another session eventually. Like that's yep. like the second episode. You know what I mean? Like I mm -hmm. think 
what you accomplish in each session translates better uh, for a series, I think. And like you and I, before we got the trailers or got information on the Dungeons and Dragons movie, yeah. Honor Among Thieves, I think we had a conversation about wouldn't it be cool if the movie did some kind of meta thing where it started with people around a table starting a Dungeons and Dragons game and then morphed into the act like then you're seeing what the game is right. as the show. Maybe that would maybe they're not do, doesn't look like they're doing that in the movie, but that would be cool if they did that for the series, I feel like, because then right. you get then you care about the people playing the game and you care about what's happening in the game itself. Right. There's like two levels of. It's uh, some yeah. some Princess Bride type stuff going on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Last one shot for the night. Glenn Powell, uh, who uh, recently played Hangman in Top Gun Maverick, gives an update on something. I feel like, Steve, I think you and I talked about this yeah, a I while ago. Once, like, it's familiar, back. but I forgot about it for sure. Apparently, Glenn Powell is attached to Star and has co-written... A Captain Planet movie. Shout out to those 90s kids out there listening who remember Captain Planet. Powell has co-written a script for Leonardo DiCaprio's production company, Appian Way Productions. We all, Leonardo DiCaprio is clearly a huge climate activist, so it makes sense that he would be down for a Captain Planet movie. Um, and he was asked about it recently, and he said, I think those conversations will be happening shortly. I know DiCaprio is super passionate about it. I'm super passionate about it. I think it could be great. I want that one to work. I'd love to play that superhero. So wild. How? I can't How? imagine a live action Captain Planet movie. What no. that would look like. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I would definitely watch it 100%. And I think I can't based on I Top Gun Maverick, I think Glenn Powell is a really good actor. So yeah, that, that is true. Um, I can't tell if I'd want to see it or if I'd have to see it just because <laughs> yes, I thought it would be that bad. That is a great clarification, and I also don't know yeah. if I would want to see it or feel that I had to. Um, but also, I wanted to bring this up because last week we did a fan casting of the DCU, and you said Miles Teller as Hal Jordan. Mm -hmm. Apparently, this article also references that a lot of people are saying Glenn Powell as Hal Jordan. Okay. And after after you and I got off the pod, stopped recording last week, you mentioned you brought up the Miles Teller thing, and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And you you mentioned something about Hangman, Glenn yeah. Powell. Because that, that's where I well. initially went until... Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I said he might be a good Guy Gardner, because Guy Gardner, because just based on his character in Top Gun mm -hmm. Maverick is kind of a little bit more of an asshole... Guy Gardner is a little bit more of an asshole than Hal yeah. Jordan, but apparently I could also see him as a Hal Jordan as well. So, and yeah. he was asked about that and he said something, I didn't write it in the notes, but he said something like, I'm not a big comic book guy, but anytime anyone thinks that anyone thinks about a high profile role and thinks about your name, it's a very, it's a great compliment. So, you know, I, you know, I would never say no to anything like that. So, right. So, Steve, you might have been onto something with your fan casting last week. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's also going to say, I, I'm not going to pass up a paycheck like yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that before, how we don't really talk about. Sometimes there's stories like Glenn Powell says he would love to join the MCU. Yeah, of course he would love to yeah, be paid millions say, of no? dollars to play a character that stands in front of a green screen and looks shocked yeah. like Michelle Pfeiffer for two <laughs> yeah. seconds. 
wrapping it all up. Speaking of segues, oh, yeah. hey, what will that call back man. to our first story? <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> that's all I got, Steve. Well, in that case, uh, anyone who's watching, feel free to like, subscribe, you know, uh, leave us a review in whatever medium you possibly can. Um, it's always always appreciated. Uh, beyond that, feel free to reach out to us, themultiverseport at gmail.com, themultiverseport.com. Find us on all the socials at The Multiverse Report. Figure it out, and uh, we'll talk to you there. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> also, I want to give a shout-out to YouTube because our most recent episode on YouTube got way more views than it ever has. Not that it's even an astronomical amount of views, but we always feel like more people listen to it as a podcast than actually watch it on YouTube. But our most recent YouTube video... Um, yeah, we may be got, wrong. <laughs> yeah, we could be wrong, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of views on our most recent YouTube video. So if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Please like and subscribe. Thumbs up that video. Tell your friends about it. That'd be great. Uh, we are approaching 100 episodes. I'm not sure uh, where we are as far as this taping goes. And we didn't mention this, but if you want to hear us instantly react to the most recent Mandalorian Season 3 trailer... That should be in your feed as well, in your podcast feed or also on YouTube. So check those things out. And anything else, Steve? Did I forget anything? No, I think that's it. Okay, well, in that case then, until next time, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the multiverse.